Hello, my friends. Welcome to Detox Podcast. This episode is number 66. It's called Brain Fog. My name is Denise and I am your host. Uh, Before we get in, I'd like to tell you about a little poetry workshop that I've got going on soon. It's on December 5th. It's a tarot poetry workshop. So any participant uh, who's coming needs to bring their own tarot deck for, you know, COVID sanitary reasons. Um, Man, is it going to be weird in a while when, I mean, I hope people are going to listen to this podcast in a few years time and they'll be like, wow, COVID. There's going to be a lot of crazy content that will be strange to listen to again or, or experience in the future because, I mean, hopefully it will no longer be relevant and we'll all be like, whoa, that was a time. This has been a time. Uh, yeah, so the poetry workshop, it's tarot poetry. Uh, it's at City and Soul Wellness Collective on uh, 11806126 Street. That's my business. And it's a beautiful space. Uh, the, the workshop is in person. Um, I'm trying to see if I can figure out how to do it online as well. Uh, but um, the registration on cityandsoul.ca it's $27 a person. We'll, we will be socially distanced. Um, COVID safety measures in place for sure. So if you're interested in that, uh, check it out on cityandsoul.ca. Uh, but yeah, it's time to get into this. Here is the poem Brain Fog. My darling, for you, I try to be the embodiment of honesty to show you the truth behind my face. Though maybe you don't know the gravity, the context, the absolute hell that is my smile. Every choice to sink into oblivion is annihilation, an acid fog that rises from my ashes to erase me. That's where I try to be honest. I grasp for words that you can grasp, but the mist is so thick that I forget how to speak. Without words, I'm without explanation, so you tell me it's in my head. Of course it is, I scream. Nightmares are always on the inside, but the toxicity is real. It's as real as you and me. Whew. <laughs> this is about a specific conversation that I had with my partner after I had we'd come back from Mexico, after I had uh, after I had started to try to sober up a little bit, not try, I was, I was being sober again. And but the brain fog persisted. You know what I'm talking about, that brain fog. Holy moly, that is probably, actually, my least favorite symptom of being an active addiction. 100%. It's the lack of clarity. It's like the, it's it's like you're stupid. It's like, I feel, I feel stupid. Like, I'm unable to grasp things that I normally could grasp. I'm unable to make connections in my mind very quickly. And as someone who is a communicator, it's very difficult to have conversations when like I know like energetically and emotionally how I'm feeling, but I'm having a really hard time like coming up with the words to articulate properly in order to make myself seem like I know what I'm talking about or um, to kind of navigate any sort of hard argument or even like a gaslighting situation, you know? So in this conversation with my partner that I had, it was, I remember we were driving out of the parking lot. Strange that I can remember this. It's like three years ago, more than three years ago. And I'm driving out, we're driving out of our parking lot. And I was describing this brain fog that I was experiencing. 
even though I'd been sober for a few days here. And I was telling him how incredible it was on some level to even experience it. This happened so fast. I only drank for like five days in a row or something like that, you know, and, and it came back full force. And he kind of like disregarded it. He, he was like, well, maybe it's in your head because I couldn't describe to him properly what it was like. He's like, well, what do you mean brain fog? I'm like, well, I can't like, I feel really like what brain, like brain fog, <laughs> you know, like couldn't come up with words to really describe what it was. And when I tried to tell him it was linked to the alcohol use, he was like, well, maybe it's in your, maybe it's just in your head. And my response was, of course, it's in my head. That's where the brain fog is happening. And in the poem, it says, of course, it is nightmares are always on the inside. And that's what it felt like. Well, for years, I've been living this nightmare, right? Like just whew, the absolute hell that is my smile. Oh, my God. That line gets me because throughout the entire entirety of my addiction, I was fake. I presented myself completely different than how I was feeling on the inside. I was lying to every single person around me, just even passively, like not outright lies, but like I was, I was an actor in my own life. I was pretending to be happy, pretending everything was okay, pretending to be motivated and excited about things, pretending that I felt good when like I felt like garbage physically, emotionally, all of it. I felt like garbage and I didn't, I wasn't able to tell people that I felt like garbage because then I would have to tell them that I've been drinking myself into oblivion every single night and that was impossible. So, um, (laughs) I don't, uh, it was a very maddening conversation, but, but the thing is, is that it was a maddening conversation that was so familiar because that brain fog was a staple throughout the addiction. Therefore, the inability to articulate myself in many situations was a staple throughout my addiction. As somebody who loves to write, loves to communicate through spoken and written word, that hindrance was awful. It was awful. And there were so many times where where I sort of felt like I was being kind of like gaslit in my relationship because I couldn't ever explain how I was feeling. And because I couldn't explain it, and I'm not, I'm not like excusing any sort of behavior here, but I wasn't able to talk myself out of it, which is very normal for any sort of gaslighting situation. If you're unfamiliar with what gaslighting is, it's when uh, the, the other person completely denies your reality, which this is like that. It's kind of an extreme, extreme thing. And it, it is, it is a very serious thing. It's a very like, it's a manipulation of the other person in order to not take blame, essentially. It's like a narcissistic tendency where 
oh, like, if I were to express that I was feeling um, upset about something that had happened, this is not something that that actually happened, because I don't really feel like my, my partner is like a narcissist or a manipulator, just we were never on the same page throughout my addiction. And it was really hard to um, try to describe these things when I wasn't being honest about why they were actually happening, if that makes sense. So the in gaslighting, if someone were to express that they were upset about a certain situation where the other person had done something to harm them, like emotionally or, or, or physically or whatever, the then the the other person, the perpetrator essentially of of the action denies it ever happened in so many different ways. Like, oh, like you're overreacting. Oh, I was just joking. Oh, I don't remember that happening. Um, no, that's not what I said. Just like completely denies it, right? Or like tries to like twist it to make it so it's that person's fault. That's what gaslighting is. Um, so while I don't think that I was being like intentionally gaslit, I think it was my inability to be able to tell the truth and and really kind of understand myself. You know, like how do you explain to somebody anything that's going on with you when you don't understand it yourself because there is this wall of like heavy fog between you and any sort of logic or reason or calculated thought it's like all locked away in some like you can you can sort of see it but it's this translu translucent fog that keeps you from actually reaching it and getting to it and it just feels like you're trying to pick up water but it keeps falling through your fingers it's just it's ungraspable it's it's like trying to catch a cloud i don't know it was it was so maddening so maddening and it felt like such a just a nonchalant way to describe to say that this Oh, well, maybe it's just in your head. Well, like, of course it's in my fucking head. Like, the addiction isn't happening outside of my body. It's happening inside. It's a complete, it has to, everything to do with my brain, which is inside my head. And so that's what powered the, the writing of this poem. Of course, nightmares are always on the inside. And I say, but the toxicity is real as real as you and me because as I was poisoning myself it then starts to poison everything else it's like it's like like poison in the water you know and and this inability to understand myself inability to articulate myself inability to understand really started to poison the water in my relationship and we were very bad at communicating, very bad at sharing our needs, our emotions. We didn't really talk about that kind of stuff. And it led to, to drunken fights. We didn't argue very much as in moments when I was sober during the daytimes. But especially if 
um, we were out with friends or something like that, I would become quite unmanageable. And I was ridiculous. Yeah, it speaks to the toxicity of addiction and how it starts to bleed into the other areas of your life, not just in, in the internal realm. And I really find that addiction keeps you stuck in your ego. It, it's really, really difficult to imagine um, your higher self with you and making choices that your higher self would make because addiction itself is a is an ego driven thing um it's it's giving into it's like preservation of the self it's a lot of fear it's a lot of okay well what would i be without this how how will i live without drinking how can I possibly survive in a world that encourages the intake of alcohol at every turn? How could I possibly live in a world like that? There's so much fear. And so the ego helps us to make the choices that are, are self-preserving. And if we're scared of what it's going to look like without alcohol in our lives, the self-preservation is to keep things at the, as a status quo. And, but on the same hand, it, it, we want to protect our ability to intake the alcohol. So we start to fight the things that will, will keep us from doing that. And that might even come up as just perceived guilt from someone else. And I've mentioned this in previous episodes, but my partner never really mentioned how he felt about my drinking to me. I just had this like, there was this, like this silence that grew between us in regards to the drinking. And I just came up with all of these narratives in my head about how much he must despise me because of it and, and how he contemplates leaving me because of it. And like all, these are false narratives, but but that, that's what was going on in my head. I, w I had all this terror that I, that I was ruining the thing that mattered the most to me. Even though in retrospect, I don't think I really was. But that's what it felt like. And even, even if the... Oh, even if the toxicity doesn't come out in the actual dynamic of the relationship with actual words said and actual actions taken that internal monologue that starts to happen when we are coming up with these these internal narratives of other people's thoughts and other people's beliefs towards us and other people's actions towards us that's um that's really toxic too that really poisons our own internal system we begin to think everybody hates us. We feel a lot of shame, a lot of guilt, right? We believe that everybody can tell that something is inherently wrong with us and they can see just how stupid and just how 
reckless and selfish we're being. And in some cases that might be true, in some cases it might be not, but the fact of the matter is, is that that toxicity is real. It's as real as you and me. And it just comes back to uh, a carcinogenic neurotoxin that is used to propel rockets into space. <laughs> it's, it's not meant to be ingested. It's poison. It is not like a fun, fun time party yay yay drink. It's like our society has been completely duped by this toxic substance that keeps us stuck in these awful poisonous mind frames and it's killing us physically and it's killing us mentally and it's killing our relationships it's killing our relationship with ourselves it's making it impossible to think clearly to make good decisions essentially like I just recently saw brain scans of someone who is like not addicted to alcohol and someone who chronically drinks alcohol and um it was mis the the thing was mislabeled um i believe it's the um, it was the amygdala that was affected but it was they said it was a cerebellum in the post i got a I'm sorry, I'm talking about something that I don't even um, have the right facts on here. But essentially the, the, like, the decision-making section of the brain was affected, right? And we all know that it severely affects the prefrontal cortex. When we, when we drink alcohol, it starts to, if we do it so often that the body starts to recognize it as like a thing that it needs, as, you know, addictive substances and addictive patterns tend to do, uh, the, the brain starts to log it in the midbrain instead, which is our survival area. It's our very like basic lizard brain area that is in charge of, you know, breathing, sleeping, eating, drinking water, and now drinking alcohol is logged in there as well. And so the prefrontal cortex where we make decisions and we have, you know, control over our actions is overridden. And that's why it feels like we're completely out of control because we truly are. We're not in charge of these decisions, especially at the end of the day, where we are just shredded from making so many decisions, we're decision fatigued, everything is, is it's time, it's, we've, we've already been so used to, to going home and cracking a beer and, and then relaxing, um, even though by putting alcohol into our system, we're actually stressing the nervous system even further. Um, chronically anyway, the, um, it'll bottom you out immediately, but it's like, it's a very, very, uh, temporary fix, which is, which is why we do it in the first place, right? We want something quick. It's so much easier to just take a magic pill or smoke a joint or drink this glass of wine and achieve the same thing that hours of sitting in the bath and meditating and lighting incense and essential oils and holding crystals and listening to 528 hertz frequency music will do. You know, it's a lot more effort to focus on self-care, but it becomes a lot more effort to uphold an addictive lifestyle 
after a while. After a while, when this becomes uh, when this becomes something that we do all the time, and we, we start to develop this addictive lifestyle and these relationships that we have and this mentality that we have that everybody hates us and we hate ourselves and we, like how many, how many things did I have to consider? I was just thinking about this um, with COVID and, and how we have to put ourselves through so many filters as we choose to do anything every day. As a business owner, we have to, there's so many filters we have to run every decision through, you know, we can't just print off waivers for people to sign. It's not just that simple. We have to put print off waivers on plastic clipboards that can be sanitized, make a station for people to sanitize their hands, grab a clean pen, sign the waiver, bring the waiver form to us, sanitize their hands, put the dirty pen in the dirty pen cup, then we have to sanitize everything. It's just like, so many filters, right? And same goes for when you are in active addiction. You have to think about all these extra steps where you're like, okay, well, now I'm awake and I feel like garbage because I'm really hungover. Maybe I'm still drunk and I have to now put a filter on my face and a filter on my behaviors to make the world believe that nothing's wrong. And then I have to make sure that there's enough alcohol in my fridge and I have ice cubes ready and I have mixes ready and I have to make sure that I make it to the liquor store today because I've, you know, drank everything last night. And I have to make sure that my partner doesn't know that I'm drinking as much as I am. And I have to make sure that my coworkers can't smell alcohol on my breath and my eyes are bloodshot and I don't, um, uh, I don't look, I don't act or look too tired and I, and I'm not grumpy and I'm just a happy person again. And it's just, you know, it's this never ending act. And after a while, sobriety becomes easy. I wonder if that's an unpopular opinion, but I literally don't think about drinking alcohol at all. I just wake up and I go about my day and I don't put any of these addiction filters on anything. I don't have brain fog. I can go to my partner and articulate exactly what I need and exactly what I want. And that took work. It took a lot of work. It took some therapy, not couples therapy, but um, but therapy with some really good suggestions and like a worksheet that um, that was really helpful. It took a took some self help books. Um, if you're having problems in a relationship, I would definitely, definitely highly recommend uh, Sark's book, Succulent Wild Love. It's a, it's kind of like a, a all-encompassing kind of choose-your-own-adventure type book where at the beginning, it's like, if you're having problems in your relationship and you'd like to make them better, go to chapters two, five, and seven. And it's like, oh, if you're single right now, but you're looking for love, go to 11, 13, and 17. Um, if you if you want to end your relationship, go to chapter two. There's so many options about like how in every kind of situation, like how to reframe it and and see it. And 
after I read that book, it greatly shifted my entire relationship to realizing that my partner wasn't just like, like we've been conditioned so much, I think, to like blame men for everything. Oh, my partner is thoughtless and oh, he doesn't know how to do this. And I always have to do this. And like this, I, I think there's a lot of truth in the fact that we do have to um, worry about doing too much emotional labor um, in relationships for sure as women. Um, but on the other hand, I find that it's healing for myself to learn to do that emotional labor, to find ways that I can express myself better, then in turn help him learn how to express himself better. It's the, and I'm not talking about like training your man. I'm talking about teaching people how to treat you, which if you treat somebody with respect and you express your needs very clearly and you articulate why you're feeling certain things and you, if you are affected emotionally by something to express that, then I've noticed that my partner has started to do the same to me. And it's been really beautiful and really, really amazing and healing for our, our relationship. It's been a lot better. Not that it was ever really bad. We like, we've always had a, a very loving relationship. Just alcohol made it really fucking hard. Hey, alcohol fucks shit up, right? Yeah. It's fucking hard. So, if you are having issues with honesty, with being able to even understand what really even your true thoughts and feelings are, and you're in this brain fog or you're still in active addiction, like taking alcohol out of this equation will be so healing on so many levels. It is like putting blinders on inside and out. And if you just take the blinders off, you see everything so much more clearly. You can see in your peripheries, you can see behind you, you can see all around you. It's, it's magical what happens when you remove alcohol. I've never experienced anything like it. To be in such darkness, to be in such confusion and disorientation, and then into clarity. Clarity is, is the thing that I hold dearest over anything. Because I hate feeling stupid. I hate feeling like I can't express myself properly. And I really hate that frustration when you try to articulate yourself and it doesn't come out right. And then the other person doesn't understand. And then they say something that doesn't make sense or is hurtful. And it's just a mess. So if you're struggling with clarity, removing alcohol is key. It's truly key.
Here's brain fog. My darling, for you, I try to be the embodiment of honesty, to show you the truth behind my face, though maybe you don't know the gravity, the context, the absolute hell that is my smile. Every choice to sink into oblivion is annihilation, an acid fog that rises from my ashes to erase me. That's where I try to be honest. I grasp for words that you can grasp, but the mist is so thick that I forget how to speak. Without words, I'm without explanation, so you tell me it's in my head. Of course it is, I scream. Nightmares are always on the inside. But the toxicity is real. It's as real as you and me.